재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 As we always do, we end the week with News Digest, getting some analysis on some of the big issues of the past week. Our first guest from Korea Institute for Defense Analyses, Dr. Kim c h e r u is on the line. Hello, Dr. Kim. Hello, Amy. Always a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, first issue, earlier this week, uh, South Korea's Defense Ministry released a new white paper outlining its modernization plan uh, geared towards bolstering the deterrent against North Korea. Could you give us a rundown of South Korea's new defense white paper? What are the key weapon systems and new capabilities that are being pushed by the military? Yes, uh, the new five-year defense budget i m s for uh, enhancing early detection, disruption, and destruction of North Korean nuclear and missile threats, I would say. The top priority in the 2017 and 2021 vision uh, is the installation of air defense and interception systems, the well-known the kill chain, and Korean air and missile defense. So uh, particularly kill chain, uh, integrated information, surveillance, preemptive strike system is designed to precisely eliminate North Korean threats before they are launched. Uh, in terms of con- countering North Korea's SLBM capabilities, Seoul will purchase an upgraded world warning radar system. In terms of a disruption, interestingly, the military is looking into uh, developing a blackout bomb that incapacitated the uh, electrical power system of North Korea. Uh, Defense Ministry also emphasized the ground-to-ground guided munitions to counter North Korea's multiple launch rocket systems and long-range artillery. Uh, also, a new um, military version of GPS-guided munitions being developed by the military uh, can be used to incapacitate North Korea artillery units. Overall, uh, to my understanding, it's a very intri- intriguing point is that the Pyongyang and Seoul is comparatively revealed uh, revelation of military top secrets Why? Hmm. Um, considering uh, Kim Jong-un's provocative self-exposure maneuvers to show off striking capabilities with diverse missiles, uh, even Seoul uh, is uh, declassified of this uh, traditional five-year plan and make it as kind of a very um, persuasive uh, message to the toward the. Right. Now, these things that you mentioned, like these uh, anti-ballistic missile defense platforms, the kill chain systems, would it give us a fully independent means of deterrence against North Korea's missile and WMD threat without American dependence? Far from perfect without American military's full support. uh, The foundation of uh, uh, Korea's defense system is the security alliance of Seoul and Washington. Uh, even the uh, locally developing KAMD focuses uh, on uh, terminal phase, low-altitude missile defense. Uh, uh, I think the uh, United States' full assurance of extended deterrence is a kind of mandatory requirement, including FAD. FAD aims to shoot down incoming ballistic missiles using a kind of a hit-to-kill system. So Uh, a joint working group to discuss the possible deployment missile shield in the South Korea is ongoing at the moment. So I think the um, since the Japanese force nuclear test and uh, Kim Jong Un regime has fired diverse missiles so, uh, uh, today and uh, even uh, they uh, fired the surface-to-air missiles and GPS disruption and cyber hacking attacks. All those things are 
new version of surprise attacks. So I think uh, we can fully uh, implement our own version of readiness, but uh, uh, in terms of extended deterrence, uh, we definitely need the uh, United States mm. full support. And to get your analysis, do you believe South Korea has the indigenous technological means to realize these objectives? Also, as a noted military expert, what's your overall assessment of Korea's current capabilities and state of readiness against the North Korean threat? And which areas do you think we are particularly vulnerable and need some modernization in? My overall assessment is that the technology level is not an Achilles-style pain point. Real pain point comes from money. Uh, for instance, the, for the five-year uh, defense plan, a uh, total of almost a $200 billion budget will be needed for the five-year uh, military build-up plan. But look at the economic situation of Korea. And economic situation will greatly impact the, even the military readiness. So I, I think uh, enhancing military readiness has a strong willingness of uh, you know, general public's mindset of uh, the national security um, um, paying costs for that uh, readiness, and even I'd like to strike out the political leadership and political instability. That's the real problem. Even the politically motivated, populistic, you know, uh, pledges and everything, even national infighting. Yes, that's the you know, mm. so-called South-South conflict, the real threat from coming inside of this country. So everybody's talking about North Korean threats. What about the you know threats from coming from inside of this mm. country? That's the thing. Very interesting points indeed. Uh, somewhat relatedly, uh, the president is in Washington, D.C. The fourth nuclear security summit is ongoing, a meeting with various leaders, President Barack Obama, Japanese mm-hmm. Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, a lot of focus on North Korea. Uh, do you believe this ongoing nuclear summit in Washington serves as a key opportunity for South Korea and their allies to strengthen cooperation and pressuring North Korea? Yes, uh, the President Park's initiative toward the denuclearization of the Korean plaza made a striking step forward with a justifiable high ground due to North Korean provocations. Especially, uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping's open official pledge to fully enforce the toughest ever UN sanctions is very intriguing. After uh, Park, uh, President Park uh, called for a faithful enforcement of, to make North Korea change its behavior. Uh, the Kim Jong-un regime will face grave consequences. That's the point. And his nuclear and missile adventurism will only trigger harsher sanctions and uh, pressure even from the international community and Beijing. Uh, as the consecutive and trilateral summits and this Washington meeting, uh, leaders sent a clear message against Pyongyang's provocations. So I think that on top of that, the international community must remain vigilant to ensure complete and verifiable implementations. How much of an economic toll have the sanctions had on North Korea so far? Do you believe that there are now significant risks of a Pyongyang economic collapse and widespread famine? So far, uh, tangible improvements uh, in terms of maritime uh, blockade and international trade. But uh, uh, Kim Jong un regime uh, has survived and endured all that the previous uh, sanctions. So uh, this time is different. Kim Jong un's strategic misjudgment will further deteriorate international uh, you know, isolation of Pyongyang. Kim Jong un 
didn't even anticipate Beijing's determined new uh, repositioning. So um, it's uh, likely to lead to so another widespread famine like 20 years ago. But uh, Beijing may have a kind of adjustment to stabilize Pyongyang while controlling, controlling the level of pressure due to its uh, fears that excessive pressure on the regime could lead to the implosion and trigger security crisis, including the influx of uh, refugees into China or Iraq, Iraq US, uh, you know, military postures along the you know northern part. So, I I think the overall landscape, uh, the agenda, unlike the media's agenda setting, uh, re- regime change, uh, regime change is unlikely to happen mm. in a short uh, period, particularly during the Obama administration. Uh, for the, uh, the last almost seven and a half years, has adopted the strategic so-called patience, right. by kind of keeping the status quo rather than uh, executing or adopting military options to change the behavior of the North Korean regime. And the, finally, there's always this uh, argument over sanctions, Dr. Kim. Uh, what do you say about the people who say tougher sanctions have failed to produce the desired effect given North Korea's continued saber-rattling and launching short-range missiles, including today? Um, strength sanctions would impose unpleasant pressure on the North at this time. So those sanctions would destabilize North Korea. That's the point. But uh, Kim Jong-un would uh, defy the or even escalated the uh, the provoke, uh, military tensions by conducting another nuclear test or test firing of several kinds of uh, ballistic missiles. So international communities, united determination is important to about the change of NOSIS attitude. But uh, my uh, point, another point is the so-called election year politics will influence the overall security landscape in Northeast Asia. Look at the Washington, even in Seoul at this moment, and uh, even Japan. Mm. So I think the political leadership's um, clear or you know, strategic uh, desired end state uh, have to reach a consensus rather than keep it the status quo. We cannot stand the nuclear armed North Korea. So this is a critical moment, but uh, we need uh, more determine the uh, consensus to change the behavior uh, of the uh, bad lessons learned uh, by the North Korea uh, after the all the sanctions. So I think the international community, the collaboration is very critical point uh, at this juncture. As always, Dr. Kim, uh, great to have you joining us. We hope you have a great weekend and hope to see you in the studio sometime soon. You too, Penny. Thank you. That was uh, Dr. Kim Cheru. Uh, we're going to shift our focus now to politics. Uh, Dr. Kim just mentioned these are a lot of election year factors. Uh, we're very pleased to have joining us a good friend from Hongik University, law professor Cho Hee-kyung, who's on the line. Hello. Hello, Henry. Professor Cho, thank you so much for joining us. I understand you have a very busy schedule, but yet you graciously offered your time, and uh, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, We have to talk about the election once again. The campaigning has started, full-fledged, a flurry of activities. The last time we talked about this, uh, you mentioned how unless there is some kind of coalition, the opposition has no chance 
whatsoever to gain any kind of majority, uh, maybe not even a plurality. What uh, where do you think it stands right now? Time does seem to be running out despite this kind of ambiguity going back and forth with Anchersu and the People's Party as to having a coalition get together. I, I don't think I actually said that last time. I don't think, you know, even the, a coalition of the opposition parties is going to get them any kind of majority okay. in the next parliament. Um, well, would they do better, though? Only, would they do better? Um, possibly when uh, in in those districts where... Um, there are quite strong uh, opposition candidates who may be taking votes away from each other. Yes, I think there is, you know, high chance that they would do better. But th- those districts are not that many um, in this election. And so I don't think that's really going to determine the outcome of um, this particular election. And we are, you know, only 12 days out from the election day itself. And I understand that the ballot papers are already be, being printed, mm. which means that even if the, the coalition, sorry, the opposition parties get together to form a, a coalition, the ballot papers may still have the existing candidates' names, which will just confuse people. Yeah, and that's an important point. And also the fact that it's, regardless of the coalition, there are still splits within the parties because you have these uh, people who've been shunned or uh, jilted wanting to run as independents and so you might have two guys who are nominally from the Minju and then you got the uh, the People's Party guy and then you have Senator so it's a really big log jam and that doesn't bode well at all that's not what is going to be a key factor you think for the opposition to succeed or is it really just a difficult difficult road for them I, I think for the opposition this time it's really how to best manage to cut their losses um Despite Mr. Antosu's resolve not to form any kind of coalition, I think it would be strategically wise to try to form some kind of coalition, particularly in those districts where um, there is, if there was actually a, a coalition candidate, there is a likelihood of winning. I mean, I think that's really the realistic thing to do um, if they really wanted to prevent the Tenery Party from getting a super majority, which is really, I think, the main concern. Okay. That, that's, I, I would then assume you're meaning you can do what you want in Honam because you guys are going one to, of, one of the opposition guys is going to win there, but particularly in these uh, kind of hotly contested Seoul and Gyeonggi districts, you feel that that could have some kind of, I suppose, net effect benefit for the opposition if they did decide to do that. Yes, correct. So I think we still have the um, the regional divide, despite um, you know Senator Party's uh, candidates actually winning there in the by-election um, in 2014, and the current um, hotly contested seat in um, Songsu in Daegu. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it will still fall along the old division lines um, between Conservative and Liberal um, of Honam and Yongnam. Um, but in some of the districts in Seoul, Gyeonggi area, uh, there is still um, a chance for the opposition parties to produce a winner if they found a way to work together. But I am not really sure how likely um, uh, or probable that is right now. And when you talk about Senri, it does seem like they have somewhat weathered the storm. They had this big 
brouhaha which we talked about last week uh, the chairman kind of pulling out the stops to make sure that the uh, the the super pro parks uh, don't get all of the uh, uh, nominations for these various seats we do have some of the uh, again jilted Senuri lawmakers running as independents. If we assume that a lot of them are successful, guys like Yuzumin or Ijeo, um, what does that do? Does that really change the dynamic at all within the Senuri power structure, or is, is, are these kind of big issues that they're going to have to uh, reckon with after the elections? I, I'm not really sure about you know actual shift in the power structure within Senuri Party because when you look at those. Um, former Tenery Party members who are now running as independents, they still have declared that uh, if they win the election, they will return and rejoin the party. Right. And you may recall that, you know, Tenery Party actually wrote to Yu Seung-min and the other candidates asking for the, the honourable portrait of President Park back. Mm-hmm. And they said, no, we are going to keep a portrait in our campaign office. And so you can see that although they have, you know, got themselves out of the party, they do understand the power of um, President Park in a Yongnam area. And I don't think it's necessarily going to really shift the power structure. It may consolidate the position of Yu Seung-min somewhat Mm. um, and make him more as a... um, potential uh, presidential election candidate, but um, whether there will be another, let's say, power base that springs up as a result of that, I think perhaps there are, at the moment, too few people to sort of make that kind of guess. Yeah, and that's going to be the fascinating, I suppose, dynamic going forward is after these elections, you're going to get the winners and losers, but then there's that mad dash to position yourself favorably for the upcoming presidential elections next year. You talked about using Min, there's Kim Musang, and then on the opposite side, a host of other names that have been uh, bandied about. You, you talk about Senuri, their power base is Yongnam. They're not going to lose the seats despite, as you say, uh, some euphoria over some uh, opposition candidates may be polling well right now. Uh, everyone will come back home eventually. But Honam, the stronghold of the opposition, what we're seeing is the emergence of this An's People Party doing well in various seats. At at least Henry, they do have wider appeal in the capital and other regions, especially their merger with the uh, Liberty Forward Party in Chungcheong. So they have a pretty national party. With the An's People Party and their focus on Honam, are they destined to become just like that Yi Chang Chungcheong-based party, just a purely regional-based party in your view? Well, I hope not. Okay. Um, because... I think it was a, an opportunity, a real opportunity missed when uh, Mr. An decided to form this party and essentially have its power base in Honam. Because given his personal background, you know, he comes from Busan. Right. His family um, is, has been established and really well respected um, in that region for generations. And he could have really sort of um, introduced a side seismic shift or perhaps even a paradigmatic shift in um, the politics of Korea by actually trying to establish his power base in Yongnam area, I think. And he could have had much wider national appeal um, from that basis. But I think he, for you know, whatever circumstances, essentially was too impatient 
to try to um, sort of seize power and and actually do something with it, you know, to to introduce reforms. But I think if he sort of kept his eye um, on the long term goals and sort of did things more patiently, right. we might be seeing uh, something different right now. But yes, as you say, I think there is a real risk that. Um, the People's Party might become um, marginalised um, regionally, and Mr. An's, you know, homework is to make sure that his party doesn't turn into um, such a, such a party. Right, especially if he wants to remain a viable uh, presidential candidate. Yes, that's right. Yes. Uh, final question: We're almost out of time, but I, and I know we, we're not going to try to get specific numbers. But Henry wants 180 seats. Uh, that you're saying they, the opposition is trying to stop a supermajority. At the end of the day, with the numbers and how they end up, is it just going to be a majority for Henry? Maybe a hundred some odd seats for the main opposition, and and, uh, and the People's Party keeping their negotiating block with about 20 others. Not a big change. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think everyone can see that Henry party will return with a majority. It's just a question of how big a majority. And I just hope for the sake of the country that it doesn't turn into a super majority because you've seen what they did with the anti-terror laws yes. and all sorts of broken promises from their last platform. And so I do hope that there, is, um, there can be some kind of balance maintained in the parliament. We shall see how it uh, turns out. Hopefully, Professor Cho, you can give us more analysis on that later. Thank you once again for joining us despite your busy schedule, and hope you have a great weekend. Thank you. You too.